Side Hustle Show 184, how to create, market, and sell your first online course, even if you don't have a big audience. If you want to start an online business, you're going to need a website. Visit SideHustleWebsite.com for my free step-by-step video course on how to get up and running quickly and for less than you might think. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show, where aspiring part-time entrepreneurs learn how to turn their side hustle dreams into reality. Because your 9 to 5 may make you a living, but your 5 to 9 makes you alive. And now your host, Nick Loper. What's up, what's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show, your companion on the journey from employee to entrepreneur. Today's guest has walked that path. Actually, she says she's gone from employee to infopreneur, uh, selling digital products over the interwebs. I'm joined by Bailey Richard from baileyrichard.com. And uh, today we're talking online courses from the, the validation stage. Hey, is anybody going to buy this? To the creation stage and then to the launch and delivery stage. Now, this is kind of a uh, 200 level episode where you don't need to have hundreds or, or thousands of followers, but it will be helpful if you've been building your online presence for a while and have some readers or subscribers to involve in this process. Now, this is something that Bailey learned the hard way when her first product launch that she spent nine months on just landed with a thud. So she's going to share her pre-sales process, the tools and software she uses to run her infopreneur business, her pricing strategies, her uh, and her high-value course framework. You can find all the notes and links, and you can grab a free PDF highlight reel with all of Bailey's top tips from the call at sidehustlenation.com slash Bailey. Bailey with an E-B-A-I-L-E-Y. Ready? Let's do it. Originally, I actually started off not as an infopreneur business coach, but as an infopreneur who was talking, speaking, and writing about international travel. I love to travel. It's what I do with my lifestyle freedom. And that was my first foray into the infopreneurship world. And I started by writing ebooks. That was my first revenue stream. You got to do before you can teach, right? Oh, absolutely. Or at least any good coach should. Fair enough. So, well, tell me about the book project. Now, like I am high on self-publishing. I, I think that's a great authority builder and probably to a lesser extent, a, a good um, royalty builder as well or an income builder. Right. I have to agree with you there. And that was my mistake when I originally started. I didn't intend to become an infopreneur or an infopreneur business coach down the line. I actually thought I'm a good writer. I love travel. I'm going to write travel books and just be an author. And that's going to be my primary revenue stream. So I worked for nine months writing this book, poured my blood, sweat and tears into it. And then when it launched, it didn't really take off. It didn't really sell because I had not done any research into understanding exactly what it takes to launch a profitable business because that's really what you're doing when you launch any product. You do have to create a business around it. And so I didn't have an email list. I didn't really have a blog or a platform from which to sell. And since my book really didn't take off, I was determined to figure out, okay, why? Let's figure out exactly what I need to do in order to turn this into a legitimate, profitable, sustainable business. And that's when I started getting into other revenue streams, content marketing, a bunch of the other elements that I needed. But even today, what I have found with the additional books that I written since then and the books that I use in my infopreneur coaching business is that primarily, especially because self-publishing has become so incredibly accessible to the everyday man that is significantly less profitable as a revenue stream than people think. 
plague. And because new content, it's constantly being put out there, even if you are at the top of your game and really famous within your niche, that book is only going to be quote unquote new for a couple of months. And eventually that revenue stream is going to run out of steam. But where eBooks really thrive is in their ability to generate leads. So as a lead magnet, you can give them away to people so that they can learn more about your business and your style of whatever it is that you're teaching. And it also, as you said, establishes your authority in your niche and earns their trust of your audience because you're proving that you know what you're talking about. So what happened after I poured nine months into this project? It was kind of a dud. So what happened next? Well, like I said, I was determined to figure out exactly what I needed. So that's whenever I started really diving into absorbing everybody else's free content. So, so many of the other blogger, business coaches, experts out there were talking, you know, on their books and blogs and videos and whatnot about everything that I needed to do. And I had just realized that I hadn't put any effort into any of that marketing stuff that I really needed in order to sell the book. And so that's whenever I got to work. So I started my travel blog. I wrote some additional free materials. I started my email list. And then I also realized I needed some additional revenue streams that were going to be able to sustain me. So that's when I started getting into online courses for the very first time. I started creating courses uh, about international travel that were based upon the material that I used from my first book. So at least all of that effort wasn't wasted. I was able to use a lot of the same material that I had written. I put it into videos, did some teaching in that way and put it into courses. Originally, I started by putting my courses onto Udemy since moved away from that platform eventually. But that's where I began my online course journey. So what I'm hearing is audience first, product second. Even if you put your product on Udemy, on Amazon, you still have to kind of provide that initial marketing push. And if you don't have anybody to market it to, then it doesn't go anywhere. I completely agree with what you just said. And that's what I didn't have is I didn't have an audience when I launched my book. And the problem that you run into is at least twofold. The first is that you have absolutely nobody to sell your book to or your product to. So whenever you put it out into the market, you basically only can share it on Facebook, tell your friends and family, you know, and say, hey, guess what? I wrote a book. And how many, you know, copies can your mom really buy? And then the problem with not having an audience also is that when you don't have one, you tend to put out material that you think people want to buy and you don't necessarily provide them with the material that these people do want to buy. When you do have an audience, you are better able to go to them and say, hey, I'm thinking about creating this product and I want to know if this is what you guys would buy and you can actually bounce ideas off of them. More formally, we call that pre-selling. Okay, well, let's talk about that for a second. So say I've got uh, I've got my blog, I've got you know, 100 visits a day, I've got you know, a hundred people on my email list. I'm, I'm, I'm starting out, but I have a little bit of traction. What kind of validation process do you go through at that point? Like I'm thinking, I'm thinking about putting this course out. What, what do I do next? Sure. Well, pre-selling is, in my opinion, the best way that you can validate your online course idea, because even though people might tell you what it is that they want until they actually put out money for it, you're not actually going to know. And that happens a lot in our business, especially if you've chosen to surround yourself with an extremely supportive community. Maybe your email list does have excuse me, a lot of friends and family on it, they might say, yeah, that sounds like a great course idea that I, we need this. But then at the end of the day, if they don't buy, it doesn't make a difference if they were supportive or not. They're a bunch of yes people. Yeah, exactly. Well, sometimes, you know, I feel like in infopreneurship, we we do have that kind of community that's really supportive. You know, I'm in a ton of Facebook groups for entrepreneurship, and I see that all the time. And that's really great. But you also need people, you know, to put their money where their mouth is in order to run a sustainable business. And with pre-selling, you can actually do that. 
And so what you can do is certainly, of course, have those conversations and find out what it is that you think that they want. And then don't create the content for your course yet. You're actually going to sell enrollments before you create the content. And this is going to save you a lot of time and effort and a lot of frustration if your course ends up being a dud and nobody actually wants to buy it. So from a technical perspective, what that looks like is setting up a full sales page that explains what exactly the course is, what the benefits are going to be, what the videos are going to be, what they're going to learn. Obviously, since you haven't created the course and nobody's taken it, you don't need to have things like testimonials or whatever, but you need to be as specific as possible about what you're actually going to put in the course when you do make it. And then you have to connect that to a payment gateway. So it completely depends on what platform you're using, of course, but you have to have the ability to actually collect sales. And so what you want to be, though, is very honest about when this course is launching. Don't use copy and terminology like, I haven't created this course yet. I'm just testing. That's silly. Make it seem like the course is actually going to go live and pick a date in the future by which you could reasonably make the course if it does begin to sell. So that, in my opinion, is usually months. So don't say, in two weeks, this course is going to go live. That doesn't give you an opportunity to actually promote market, sell the course, and then start to create the content. So you want to set up a timeline for yourself. For me, sometimes it even ends up being your three to six months in the future by which you can say this course is going live December 1st or something like that. If you start in the summer, for example, and then you can have a couple of months at the beginning of that process to pitch it to people on your email list, on your website, on your blog, And then there comes a point in that pre-selling process after hopefully you've started making a couple of sales where you get to make a choice. Do I continue with this course and do I actually start creating the content and make this revenue stream or do I decide that it's not ready yet, it needs to undergo some changes and you can refund people's money if you decide you're not going to go ahead with the revenue stream. Sometimes this concept freaks people out because they don't like the idea of holding people's money until they actually have the product. Sometimes people feel like it's an embarrassment to say, oh, I'm actually not going to create the course anymore and give people refunds. But I'm telling you that this is honestly the best way to save yourself frustration from putting time and effort into creating a product that won't sell. Did you know that roughly half of Side Hustle Nation hasn't started their side hustle yet? If that's you, I get it. Starting and building a business is tough. It takes more than just an idea. There are tons of moving parts, and it's a bit like trying to assemble your airplane in the middle of takeoff. Thankfully, our sponsor, Taylor Brands, is helping Side Hustle Show listeners make that leap and make it all a lot easier. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, making sure you have everything you need all in one place. Think of it like your behind-the-scenes partner for things like LLC formation, licenses and permits, getting an EIN, setting up your business bank account, bookkeeping and invoicing, insurance, logos, trademark protection, and a lot more. Taylor Brands helps you handle it all seamlessly. And to get you started, Side Hustle Show listeners get 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans when you use our link. That's taylorbrands.com slash side hustle. Taylor Brands, like a tailor for your clothes, T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A. A-N-D-S.com slash side hustle. Start your business journey today with the help of Taylor Brands. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. 
The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you do for the payment processing? I mean, we don't need to get too nitty gritty into the details, but like just Gumroad or a PayPal button to say, hey, I'm in. Or do you do like special like beta pricing or do you just, hey, this is the price, take it or leave it? All right. Well, I, there's really two questions in there, pricing structure and then what software I use. So the software that I actually use for my online courses is ClickFunnels. Now, ClickFunnels doesn't necessarily market themselves as an online course platform, which I think is why a lot of people don't necessarily think of them. They think about online platforms like Teachable or Udemy or something like that, which are specifically designed for you to upload your videos and to enroll students in courses. And those platforms each have their benefits in their own right. And I have been on both of those. But the reason that I actually set up my courses on ClickFunnels, ClickFunnels calls them membership sites, but they're really the same thing, online courses. The reason that I do it with ClickFunnels is because in order to sell an online course effectively, you have to have an effective marketing funnel or sales funnel that's going to be able to collect leads, email addresses, and educate them through a sales funnel process and then pitch them the course. With these other platforms like Teachable, they are the online course video host, but they have absolutely no marketing capabilities. And so even if you do decide to host your courses on Teachable, for example, which is completely fine and I understand why so many people decide to do that, you're still going to need another software or another system for your sales funnel, whether that's ClickFunnels, lead pages, or something like that. I personally just prefer to keep everything in one piece of software, so I do it all with ClickFunnels. Then you asked about the pricing structure. ClickFunnels does payment processing too? Yes. So you have to have a Stripe account or I think they have a couple other type of payment accounts, but I use Stripe and you can just link that with your ClickFunnels account. I think maybe they do PayPal or like a couple other things, but I use Stripe. Going back to the validation thing, say I sent the sales page out to my 100 people, I posted it on my blog. What's a good take rate or you say I got three signups or something like is that enough for me to go out and build the course or like oh man I was really hoping for like 50 or something Sure. Well, I think that completely depends on how much money you want to make. And I know that's an unsatisfying answer. You probably want, you know, 50% or something like that, but it's simply just not the case because it's going to completely depend on a couple of things. It's going to depend, first of all, on exactly how much content do you expect to put in this course that you're pitching? You know, did, did you design a course that's only going to take you four hours to record? Or did you design a course that has eight weeks of coaching plus videos plus downloads? You know, if that is the case, and you only got three signups, then maybe you want to rethink. But then you also have to look at how much you priced your course for. If you only got three signups, but you're selling each one of those courses for $1,000, I'd make that course. I mean, that's $3,000 in my pocket, okay, you know? Okay. 
Gotcha. Um, so I think that there's certain factors that you need to consider and there isn't necessarily one right or wrong answer. It's just really up to you to determine, is it worth my time and effort in return for you know the money, the revenue that I'm going to make in order to create this course? Uh, on the course creation side, do you just do kind of like do screen capture recordings or do you, are you like doing talking head videos? Like, I know um, people are nervous about being on camera. I'm nervous about being on camera, Actually, like on the technical course creation side. Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, there's not one right way to do it. And it completely depends on the material that you are teaching. You know, for example, if you are teaching a course on fitness or something, I think that that is a kind of material that would really benefit from having videos of you showing people the exercises sure, sure. versus having slides about how to do the exercises. And so I think that you have to consider exactly what you're teaching and what the best medium is. But that being said, you certainly don't have to be on camera or have your face on the video the entire time, because I do think that people actually respond well to kind of mixed videos and mixed media, and it keeps things interesting. Okay. You definitely can do slides or screen capture. I use Camtasia for that, which is a really great software that's popular amongst the course creating community. You can get that from TechSmith. I really enjoy it because it not just does that screen capture recording, but it's also a very simple and good video editor as well. So you can import video clips from your phone. You can add call outs and it does a lot of really other interesting things that is specifically designed for online courses. If you're going to go that route, though, I do recommend and I realize that it is difficult for some people to show your face at some point in the course. And I recommend in the very beginning in a welcome video or something, especially as infopreneurs who are usually solopreneurs, one person running our business, and we're trying to convince people to purchase our products based on our own life experience and background, we need to be authentic and we need to let the customers know that you're learning from the expert. You know, it's not someone else that's doing the videos. You're there. It gives them that personal connection with you, almost as if you were in a classroom. So even if every video is not like that, at least if one or two are, especially towards the beginning, I think that's critical. The relationship is with you. So, you know, the course should be with you as well. Yeah. Just show your face. I think that I like, I like that part. Do you do like the familiar three-tiered pricing structure where it's like, okay, for the entry level, you can get just the, you know, slide deck or whatever, you know, tier two is the actual video course plus the whatever. And then, you know, here's the large package is the full meal deal and you get, you know, the one-on-one handheld and all this stuff. Here's how you have that set up. Sure. I do do pricing tiers. I don't do what you just suggested, which is limiting the amount of content that people get with each tier. The reason that I offer pricing tiers is honestly to encourage more people to sign up based on their financial situation. And so uh, the first tier that I offer is what I call the flex payment plan, which is simply a payment plan. So people can make three, four, however many payments of a smaller amount to encourage them to sign up sooner rather than later. Because I think that if somebody needs to save up a certain amount of money for a course, by the time they really save it up, they might decide, oh, I'd rather spend it on, you know, my paying off my credit card or something. Okay, okay. So I think that that really encourages people to sign up. And of course, that actually is going to be a little bit more expensive for them in the end, but they like the flexibility and they get access to everything with that. I don't hold back any content. If they're willing to pay the money, they should get access to everything. Then I offer what I call the best value plan, which is if you pay for the whole course up front, you get a small discount. So it would be, you know, pay for it in full with the best value plan and save $97, like one payment off a flex plan or something like that. So you're really encouraging people to make 
make the commitment up front by offering them a little bit of financial incentive. And then I do offer an advanced what I call support tier, which is the best value plan price plus an extra amount. And that is usually for some extra one-on-one time with me. So whether that's an additional coaching call or to join some you know, special group or something like that, usually it's the hand holding that you were talking about. I like that. Give people, give people some options. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you're running a business, you want to provide as much value as possible and you want to make it easy for people to say yes. And so I understand, you know, why you demand the price that you demand and people sometimes say, oh, you know, I don't give the friends and family discount. I'm, I am what I am. I'm standing in my truth of my price and whatever. And I get that. But at the end of the day, if nobody's buying from you, you don't have a viable business. So you need to do whatever you can to work with your customers to make it easy for them to say, yes, I want to buy this product and to actually hand their money over. And going through the pre-sales process as a way to do that without having gone through the effort of like actually filming the, the thing first if there's no if there's no demand for it. Exactly. And I do offer during that pre-selling period, I call it launch pricing. So I will take my three tiers and I'll reduce them even a little bit. And I make it very clear on the website by using either red color font or something like that, that when the course goes live on the future launch date, the price will also be going up. And so that, again, encourages people to enroll. And so with those price discounts and I'm pre-selling, if nobody's buying, that tells me that there's a problem with the product that I'm offering. Okay. Tell me about your experience with Udemy because we've heard from some people who have done really well on the platform and and the value proposition is, hey, if you have an audience of 100 people on your blog, look, we've got a built-in database of 10 million students. Like, Why not put your course up here? Yeah, I get their value proposition, but there's a lot of stuff that they don't tell you. I was originally on Udemy with my travel courses, but once I got better at infopreneurship and decided to do online business coaching, I decided that I was going to start all of those courses on my own platform and learn more about that. And I think that it's been a lot better for me. And so here's some of the issues that I have about Udemy. The first thing is, is that even though they do have, you know, 10 million students or whatever, it is a marketplace, which means that when your course goes live, it is being positioned in the marketplace right next to somebody else's course. And they might be teaching the exact same thing as you. And their course simply might be better. I mean, especially if you're a new course creator, you know, you're trying to figure out what your style is. You're trying to figure out exactly what it is that you can handle as far as how fast can you make content, you make mistakes, you learn. And so there's going to be people on there because Udemy has been around for a while now that are pretty established. And so you are competing with those people. Another thing that you have to realize is that when you see courses on Udemy that have 5,000 students, those are not 5,000 paying students. Udemy gives you the ability to give out free coupons for your courses. And if somebody enrolls in that course with a free coupon, it's counted as an enrolled student. And so that course that has 5,000 students might have, you know, 50 paying students or, or no paying students. And you really have no way of knowing because those people that enrolled for free can leave comments and testimonials just as if they were a paid student. That's one of the things that I thought was a little misleading for me is that when I first decided to get into courses, I saw, well, people in the travel section on Udemy, you know, I have 5,000 people and they're only selling their course for $10. I couldn't be making a killing. And I didn't realize, oh, that's because everybody got these courses for free. You know, it's a way of gaining social proof for your course and also getting testimonials and things, but you're not really generating revenue. And then the final straw for me with Udemy, it was really frustrating, was the fact that they really have complete control over the pricing. So originally they let you price your courses at whatever you want. 
wanted. I think maybe there was a certain tier, upper tier, but I mean, it was really high. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't such a problem in the beginning. But recently, I think it was around last year or something like that, because I still, since I had courses on Udemy, I made them private, but the students are still enrolled, so I still get emails from Udemy. Um, but they said, we're changing the way that we do pricing. Now, the most you can charge for a course is $50. And this is across the board. Every course, the max you can charge is 50 bucks. So it totally shifted the dynamic of how Udemy worked, because now you had these people who were making a killing and a living selling their courses for $4.99. All of a sudden, they're now being reduced to 50 bucks. And so my courses were a little bit pricey as well. And they got reduced and they just started putting all these restrictions on you left and right about what you can do and what you can't. And man, it just, it got to be too much. And so I decided I was better off hosting my own. Yeah, I know I've seen a pretty steep decrease in Udemy since their pricing shift. So curious to see how it all plays out, how the dust settles on that one. If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. Can you walk us through a launch sequence, either from you know, your travel business, your infopreneur business, or from one of your students on like, Hey, this, this is what I got done. Like this, this was the audience size that I had. And this is how I pre-sold it. This was the course that I created. And this is how much I made. Sure. Absolutely. Let me talk you through my high value course Academy course, because we're talking about courses. What I encourage people to do is to create what I call high value courses, because the online course industry is getting a little bit crowded. Doesn't mean you can't be profitable, but it just means that you need to stand out. And so instead of creating just a course that has just videos and that's it, I encourage people to create high value courses, which I define by adding extra value in some way, whether that's lots of extra bonuses, one-on-one coaching time, a private Facebook group, whatever it is that you're getting more than just the videos in the course. And so that's what I teach in High Value Course Academy. So what that is, is a program. It's like a hybrid program. Uh, You get online course videos, but you also are in this group weekly coaching program. And so I only launch this once a year. And so the reason that it's not evergreen is because of the coaching element of the program. I can't run it 20, you know, four, seven, it's just a little impossible for me. So I only run this once a year. So what this basically looked like when I ran it the first time is I came up with the idea. I created the sales page in ClickFunnels. I linked the payment plan, decided when I was going to host the coaching. I mean, I had the dates all set up like six months in the future. 
And then I basically had what I would call in the beginning, like a soft launch. And so I didn't go into this crazy, like excited, Oh my God, I'm launching this new course. Everybody should sign up kind of mode because I was pre-selling. Like I was interested to hear people's feedback. I was interested to see, do people want this kind of thing? And so what I did in the beginning was I literally just kind of shared the sales page with my community. Like it wasn't really a funnel or anything like that. I simply said, Hey guys, I'm thinking about creating this course about courses because you guys are always asking me about it. I know you want to profit with courses. And so I think we should do this. What do you guys think? So I got their feedback and I got a lot of good comments and I didn't get, you know, any immediate sales from sharing that sales page first, which I wouldn't necessarily expect because you haven't primed anybody to buy. And the price on this particular course is kind of high due to the coaching element that's involved. Okay. So there was an option for people to buy. Nobody did. How many people saw this? Do you think? I'm several hundred people who who you'd found your blog. Yeah. People that were on my email list, people that were on my blog, people in my Facebook group, like that kind of thing. And that's fine. I mean, nobody bought because we don't often go to a sales page and just hit the buy button. Like there's a reason why we buy. It's the reason that we do sales funnels and we do launch sequences is because things like scarcity training, blah, blah, blah. And so nobody bought and that's totally fine. So I took people's feedback. I implemented, came back and then I decided, all right, I think this is really ready now. This is, has incorporated the changes that people had said they wanted. And I know that everyone is still really interested and they've all told me that, you know, all right, you know, we're, they're thinking about buying, but I, we're still in pre-sale phase. I didn't create any content because nobody's put any money down. Sure. So there's still no point in me getting to the creation phase, especially when the course isn't going to launch for another five months still, you know? And so what I did next is then I started working on the actual sales funnel. And so the sales funnel that I created is the same one that I used to launch it basically every single year. Why reinvent the wheel if it works? So what I did was, is I created some free content. So I have this, what I call the course creator collection, which is just a bunch of PDF resources that you can download from my site. And it's an ebook about how to create, how to launch a high value online course, the tools that you need, what is a high value online course, this kind of stuff. And so that, of course, because it was free, got gobbled up by everybody. So what happens whenever you, you know, send out this free thing and everybody enrolls, that's the attract phase of your sales funnel. Then you have an opportunity to educate them. You can't expect everybody that downloads the ebook to actually sit down and read it. That would be nice. But instead, we educate them about what the course is. Is, why you need it, why I'm doing this, you know, through a series of video trainings. And then after that, you pitch the course and you tell them this is special launch pricing. That's when you start sending the emails towards the end of the pre-sale period when it's getting closer to the actual launch. And you start saying like, Hey, two weeks left, are you going to enroll for this? You know, that sort of thing. And then by that point I had made enough sales that I decided, you know, this is definitely worth it. I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and commit to doing this. Okay. Attract, educate, pitch. Yeah, pretty much. I have some videos on my YouTube page about like a generic sales funnel in general. And basically I say that there's four steps to the sales funnel. Attract, interact, which is the educate stage. So whether that's sending them a bunch of like emails and an email course, video training, webinar, and then pitch your first sale. And then the last one is upsell. So that could be approaching people one-on-one -on -one to encourage them to sign up for your coaching or you upsell them a second product in your funnel. I could mean a lot of different things, but that's basically the way that I launch and sell my courses. Okay. How'd that launch do? The first year that we did it, it made several thousand dollars. So that was pretty good. <laughs> nice. Okay, cool. So you mentioned, hey, this is an open and shut. 
kind of course deal, which seems to be a popular way to go. But the problem with that is like, you know, it's this influx of cash, hopefully, and then a drought for like another year in your case. So I'll give an example, like uh, Kevin Lee is a member of the Side Hustle Nation community. He's like, hey, I've got this cool uh, community for product managers, I think, where he's like, I got laid off from my job. Um, so he's all down in the dumps. Next month, he emails me, dude, I made 12 grand selling a course to my community of product managers. I'm like, dude, that's awesome. The next month, he's like, now what? You know, it was like an open right. and shut kind of thing. And like everybody who bought, bought and is like, well, you know, what do you do to kind of keep the, you know, keep the momentum going on these things? Yeah. So first of all, in my business as a coach, one of the things that I stress to people, and I think I said this earlier, is that you're not just creating one product. If you have that mindset, then you're never going to be able to generate a sustainable income for yourself to actually quit your nine to five and live the lifestyle you want. You're creating a business. Of course, you create one product first, but then over time, you're going to create a couple of revenue streams. I mean, most successful, sustainable infopreneur businesses have multiple revenue streams, whether that's multiple courses or courses in coaching or whatever. And so what you're talking about is how to get past the feast or famine, you know, issue that a lot of infopreneurs handle. And here's what I recommend is that you need some courses that are evergreen and you need some that launch once a year. And the way that you determine the difference is this first what the prices are, and second, whether or not this is a course that you want people to be enrolling in on a consistent basis. So let me use my business as an example. I have my flagship course. It's called Infopreneur Institute, and it walks people through the six-step process for launching an infopreneur business from scratch. It's my flagship course, and I want people who come across my business to be enrolling in that course 24-7, 365. It's an evergreen course, and the reason that I want them to be enrolling in that course is because I want them to be excited about infopreneurship. I want them to learn the basics. I want them to be committed. And that course is an overview course. It preps people to understand why it's so important to grow your email list, to launch a course as a revenue stream, to write an ebook. And I have other courses about those topics. So by them enrolling in my Evergreen Infopreneur Institute course, they get the basic knowledge they need. They're jazzed about infopreneurship. They want to work with me as a coach. They want to buy my other courses. So that's a good thing. Also, the price point on that course is a little bit lower than my other courses to make it more accessible for people to enroll during the year whenever they want to. Then I have other courses which are a little bit pricier and I only launch those courses once a year simply because of the amount of effort that is involved for me. I'm a solopreneur. I do have virtual assistants and graphic designers and stuff that work for me, but I don't have any full-time employees, which means that, you know, I'm doing all of this work by myself and I simply can't manage running an online course that has a group coaching element, you know, all year round. Because of that, I do price the courses a little bit higher. It's something you also need to consider when you're doing your course pricing is saying, okay, realistically, if this is going to be my primary income source for the next three months until I launch a new product, how much money do I need to get me through? We were talking earlier in this interview about pre-selling and you said, how can you determine if it was worth the while for you to create the course if you only got three sales? Well, if you did the math and you only need $3,000 to get through to, you know, the next product that you're launching or whatever, and you made $3,000 in pre-sales, maybe that's enough for you. 
Maybe you decide it's not and you need to have 6000 in order to be able to move forward. That depends on how much it costs, you know, depends on your lifestyle, cost of living, that sort of thing. Like that's a personal decision. But you can look at your other revenue streams in combination and say, well, you know, I'm bringing in 2000 a month with my Evergreen courses and I'm going to launch this. And last year we made, you know, 10000 or whatever. And so my list has grown double. I think we're going to make more. So, you know, I can afford to price it like this and we can accept this much in pre-sales. You know, you kind of have to figure out that equation for yourself. But that's how I kind of look at the decision whether to make something evergreen or sort of launch it once. This is something that I ask everybody who <laughs> creates content online is like, how do you figure out what content to give away for free, right? I got to put something out there to attract people to me in the first place, the content marketing component of this. And what do I put behind the paywall? Like, how do I make that distinction? That comes up over and over again, something that I struggle with as well. Sure. I firmly believe in infopreneur businesses in using what I call frameworks, which is either a step-by-step process or an acronym, or maybe it's a diagram, like a picture or something, or an extremely simplistic way to explain what it is that you're going to teach. And I firmly believe in giving away, you know, 80 to 90% of your content for free. Because these days, everybody's a content creator and we're all putting stuff out there. And you're only going to come across as a potential charlatan if you seem like you're holding a lot of stuff back. The way in which you gain customers, even though I know it sounds counterintuitive, is to give away your secrets. Tell everybody what you know. Because the truth is, information is going to be free because if people don't get it from you, they'll give it to somebody else. But implementation is hard. Implementation is what people pay for. And so the thing about... my online, you know, coaching business, for example, is that I can talk to people about how to launch an online course all day, but when they go to do it themselves, somehow it always is like way harder than they ever anticipated, right? And so you need to make it clear what it is that you teach and how it is that you teach it with a framework and give all of that away. So in my ebook, How to Launch a High Value Online Course, I have a 20-step process and I tell you exactly what to do step by step. I don't hide anything back. And people know and appreciate that because they know that I actually can deliver upon what I'm saying. And then in the online course, I show the implementation. So through the videos and the coaching that I do, I actually say, okay, in step five, I told you create a sales page. Here's how you do it. I'm going to show you. I'm going to walk you through. I'm going to show you how to design. I'm going to give you information about how to upload your pictures. I'm going to walk you through how to connect your payment gateway, that sort of thing. So I generally think give away the information for free, charge people for the implementation. Very good. Bailey, thank you so much for joining me. It's baileyrichard.com. Let's wrap this thing up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. I would say that if you want people to buy your courses and if you want people to trust you as an infopreneur these days with so much competition out there, you need to provide value, value, value. So don't think that it's just enough to create an online course that has video. You need to give people more and more and more and give them a reason to say yes, make it easy for them to say yes by adding that value. Awesome. Thank you so much. And we'll catch up with you soon. Thanks so much for having me. Okay, so my top takeaways from this chat with Bailey, number one, audience first, product second. Uh, an infopreneur without an audience is kind of like a, a car without any gas. It's not going to get very far. And I know the Tesla people are like, hey, I'm getting 200 miles. But I actually think this is a unique advantage of building this type of business as a side hustle because it, it might be a while before you can ring that cash register. And during that time is when your employer is kind of silently bankrolling this whole operation. So that's takeaway number one. Takeaway number two is... Having people pull out their credit card is the only real 
validation. You know, that's something that, that I learned this summer when I tried to host my first paid live event, a one-day private mastermind. Uh, a bunch of people had said, yes, that sounds awesome on uh, the survey that I sent out. But when it came time to plunk down the cash, different story. Number three, charge for implementation. I thought Bailey's ex- explanation of what to give away for free and what to charge for was one of the best that I've heard. And I, and I ask that question all the time. So it's like, hey, follow this course step by step, implement what I tell you and get this outcome at the other end. It's a little bit different f- from the, the self-guided uh, nature of like free blog content. So charge for the implementation. I really like that one. So what do you think? As always, you can share your top takeaways in the comments over at sidehustlenation.com slash Bailey. And uh, while you're there, be sure to grab the free PDF highlight reel summarizing all the nuggets we covered in today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there, make something happen, and I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show where I'm breaking down eight lessons I've learned from eight years as a full-time side hustler. Hustle on. Thanks for listening to the Side Hustle Show at www.sidehustlenation.com.